fasten your seat belts. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. It's the 30-something movie podcast back once again. Our movie this time around is regarding Henry. I feel like, I don't know, something about this, I know it has nothing to do with being British, but something about the title makes me want to say it in a British accent. Like, regarding Henry. I don't know. Just for some reason. I, it would work, you know. I don't know what work. language that was, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. I was going to say last week with the Adams family. You mean next or last, week? Next week with the Adams <laughs> family. Uh, I forgot to mention Dr. Penderschloss kind of has the same accent as Frank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is Adams family uh, canonical um, father of the bride? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I, I think, uh, I think Frank is, uh, I think, um, uh, Pinderschloss might be a married name. That, yeah, but I, I think she might be related to Frank. I agree. I think- very, very, very similar. Because I was trying to pinpoint that. I was like, I was. This is a very similar accent. Where have I heard this before? Father of the bride, mm-hmm. Mr. Bonks. Um, so this time around, our movie is regarding Henry, and I have. Uh, I'm regarding right now. Uh, Dennis Matuch and Pat Canigallo. How are you guys doing hey. tonight? Yo, good. Doing great. Right. Great to be here again. Dennis even even rocking the uh, regarding Henry virtual background. Yeah. I mean, how many other people in the world are on Zoom right now using a regarding Henry virtual background? Well, there's a reason. There's a reason for that. And mm-hmm. this is uh, the value of your show, of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned something new that I didn't know as I we watched this film. And, oh. and uh, I was like, whoa, wait a second. And if you know what I'm talking about, I just got to move a little here. Yeah, I know what you're, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I am blown away by that. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was blown away by that. I'm still, I'm, I'm over it now, but I'm like, I'm not surprised. But now at the time I was like, I had to do some math and numbers and birthdays. And yeah, does, does Pat know what it is? No, there's a picture of somebody who's delivering something to Henry in this and, uh, I I must've missed 60 minutes. Wait, what are you saying? The person there you're seeing there. Yeah, delivered the kid that was the food delivery kid. The delivery kid also wrote the film. Oh, and his name is Jeffrey. You might know him as JJ. JJ Abrams. JJ yeah. Abrams. Wrote really, twenty-five years old, 25, 26, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, jeez. I'm not more jealous of him now. I mean, that's what I be. I don't know. Well, like they said in the Big Lebowski, that creep can roll, man. <laughs> that that's impressive. 
Get that man a cracker. Because for a 25 or 26 year old to write that film, that's. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, and, I, I, that again, you know, you got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck writing Goodwill on, you know, but still, it's very, I think it's a mature, it's a very interesting. Oh. And where when does I that? I saw that. And I saw the name, and then I looked it up, and I'm like, "Is he related to him? Is it his dad? Like, is, I know his dad wasn't that. He wasn't a writer. I didn't think. I know he did some stuff, but it's. And then when I looked up, and it was like Jeffrey is really JJ. I'm like, whoa. Mm. He was only like 20. And where and does that come from? And what? where does that come from? Like, I wonder where he got that. Like, did he just? have it floating around in his head? Is there some personal experience? Did he read something? He seems to, well, his, I've known, I've done some, you know, and I know like on his Ted talk and some yeah. stuff I've read about him because I've, I've been a fan of him for a while in terms of like, I just, I appreciate what he does in his work and stuff. And I think it's hit or miss. It's kind of like M night Shyamalan. I like, I just pull for those guys. You know, some people are quick to like, want to crucify them and say that they screwed this up or that this wasn't good. But I'm like, you know, they're out there making stuff and we're sitting on our butt watching stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, they're, they're out there and, and they're going to give a good effort and they believe in what they're doing. And I think they, they go out and they try to make good stuff and stuff that they think would be fun as a kid. Um, where does he get that? I know ordinary people was one of his favorite scripts of all time. Okay. And he's one of the guys who also notices the story of the kind of divorced family in ET. He notices the relationship between Brody and his kid in those scenes. And he appreciate whenever you hear him talk about that, why he's also known for big special effects. He always tries to add, whether it's super, some sort of human element to the stories about relationships and things like that. So from that perspective, I'm not, I'm not really shocked. He must've just been a kid who loved movies. And, and I think that when you get touched by those type of stories and scripts, and if you're going to mention ordinary people, you know, which there's no, no spaceships in there, there's nothing. It's about relationships. And, and I'm like, if that, what he holds up as one of his best screenplays he's ever read, you're going to see that work somewhere pour out into his voice into his words on paper i think and i think that's true of anybody it's like it's like m night Shyamalan, you know has that twist ending and there's a certain kind of tribute to even twilight zone to a certain degree in those in that respect but they they try they they try to hit some sort of element into their their thing that's thoughtful and sometimes it's a home run sometimes it's you know a double or sometimes it's just a little bunt or a strikeout but you know you appreciate them coming up to the bat and swinging mm-hmm so nice. I just, I'm just, I just thought that was a great thing from this movie. And one of the reasons I was like, definitely want to want to be in here on this one. Cause I, it was, it's, yeah. a, it's a cool thing to find out that he did that. I said, I'm, I'm, I was blown away when I found it out. Wow. Had you wow, heard wow, the story? Wow. Of- like, honestly, John, if you, if I gave you, if I said, who wrote, who wrote regarding Henry, how many guesses would it have taken for you to get to JJ Abrams? I, it would have taken a while. I don't think I ever would have got there. No. Like, honestly, like because of the age. Right. Now, if, you, if, if that movie was made five years ago, 10 years ago, I get to him in the top five or top 10, maybe. Mm-hmm. But um, if, but when you, when you throw the age in there, it's the ages, which it's dumbfounded. It's right. like, it's, you're a 20. And, and the fact that it, he was 26 when this movie came out, which means he wrote it a couple or, you know, he didn't write it in two weeks as he turned 25 or 26. He probably was writing this thing at 23, 24. Maybe he had the idea. I don't know. You know, it's, and, and was it his original screenplay idea or was it somebody who said, Hey, here, write this movie for us, you know, and who's going to trust this 20 some year old kid to write that screenplay? I, I just think it's a cool story. 
So anyway. did, did you hear the story of how he got his uh, first job in Hollywood? Uh, with Spielberg, with the films? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was kind of cool when I read that. You got to get the Super 8. Uh, I used to show it in my digital film, digital communications class at Hawthorne. And uh, I used to show the Super 8 because it was all about this infectious life. When I was trying mm-hmm. to get kids to like just love movies and love making movies. And, and what he has, uh, he has a uh, feature on the Super 8 DVD where it goes through everything. And yeah, his friends and kids, they were asked by uh, Spielberg to... Uh, to uh, to go through all his old films and digitize, like you know, edit them, digitize me, like all this stuff or whatever. So that's what they did. Yeah. Well, because the, he they found him. Yeah, yeah, but they were he and uh, uh, Matt Reeves. Isn't Matt Reeves? Yeah. Um, yeah. Didn't he do? Uh, oh God, I'm gonna blank out on it. Why am I blanking out on the movie that I know Matt Reeves for? The one that he directed, or or what? Yeah, uh, Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah, man, he yeah. Does, yeah, and he's doing he's doing the new Batman, and yeah, doing the new Batman. He's done the Planet of the Apes. Yep. Yeah, Over he. Field. Yeah, he and Matt Reeves were buddies. They were 15 years old, and they actually found the Super 8 movies in the house that J.J. Abrams' family had moved into, because yeah. it used to be a house that Steven Spielberg lived in. Yeah. And that they found those tapes, and they you know they returned it to him, and and Spielberg was like. Hey, I'll give you guys a job cataloging these and, you know, organizing this for me and, and whatnot. And they were like 15 at the time. Yeah. That's like kind really of young kids and he yeah. trusts them with their movies. And he, and later on when he met him, he's like, Hey, you know, we did them. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember you guys. Did it. Yeah. But, and seeing the thing that throws me off too, is I know from that featurette and everything else, they talk about all that. I knew that. Mm-hmm. So like where in this featurette did it not come up that he did regarding Henry? Because I knew he, I knew him and Matt Reeves worked on Felicity together, the TV show, and that's like late '90s, early 2000s, I think. Felicity, you know, and I knew Cloverfield was like his first big one, so I totally was blown away that the fact that this actually like was was him related. Then that had anything to do with this movie, so because yeah. because the '98, '91, that's seven, eight years, you know, Felicity, and that seemed like he was like a young guy just putting that together. So this would have been like. Dude, you're almost a teenager, it feels like, when you're making regarding everything. Right. So, but yeah, and then there's like a really good, I, I can't think of the guy's name, Steven, maybe Steven something. There's a guy who's a, um, who's a cinematographer who's really good, too. And they were all three were like these buddies just making films. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's, it's a cool thing. You know, so if you ever get a chance to watch Super 8, you know, just get the DVD and watch the, um, the featurette on it. Um, it's it's a cool twenty minutes. Yeah, I've I've seen Super Eight. I don't know that I've seen the extras on the yeah, DVD though. The extras on it. There's one okay. where it's uh, I forget what it's uh, called. Uh, a name, they have a name for it, but yeah, just a, just the way all that stuff pours into like his work and how he approaches things, and he does whatever. I think there's a clip from um, Jaws in there too. And yeah. Yeah, I think they might have shown, or maybe that was the TED Talk, but one of the. But either way, check out the TED Talk or check out the uh, the feature out in there. And 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 when Pat, what you were asking, like, where does this come from? I mean, obviously there's a talent, there's a love for it, and the kid just grew up loving movies and making it. And he was kind of like, he said he wasn't good at sports, he wasn't good at other stuff, you know. And it was more about like he just wanted to make films. He's, he loved films and he wanted to make good films and he tried to make films when they were younger and he said a lot more probably crap, but he just was making films and then they got better and better and better, you yeah. know and. And that's and, and a big thing for him and he credits in his uh, in his TED talk is I think it's his grandfather bought him the camera. Mm. And that was one of the things that like, you know, I always say we just we didn't have the money, you know, 
growing up and I'm like, we tried tape recorder and I'm sure John, you did this stuff. We did puppet mm-hmm. shows. It's like, man, I, that's why one of the harder things for me to teach that class that I taught was when kids were, when kids are pretty like love doing stuff that was super awesome. But for me, there was a personal kind of, I don't know if the word's jealousy, but like this idea that you guys have a computer that you could edit a movie on yourself and a camera and phones that you could record. Like you have all the tools are just in your hands, mm-hmm. but you don't want to use them. And that just drove me nuts. Cause I'm like, my God, what would have happened if I would have had those tools in my hand or my brothers would have had those tools in their hand, you know, 30 to 40 years ago. It's like, we were tonight, we, tonight we were watching, uh, we were watching a video that the, the local high school has put out for incoming freshmen. Cause my son's going to be a freshman this mm-hmm. next fall. And this was, it was kind of like an introduction to the high school and like what kind of classes are available, what kind of clubs are available, things like that. And they start going through it and they get to the point where they get to like the, uh, the audio visual, the AV clubs yeah. and the AV classes. And you know, the student who's talking through it is like, yeah, I've, I've been in the, uh, film production classes for, uh, seven semesters now here, um, almost every year that I've been here at the high school and I've learned how to do this. And then a group of us traveled to uh, Los Angeles and actually went to Hollywood and we're on the movie set for this. And we were, you know, helping produce uh, a video for this. And, and I'm just sitting there going, and, and he's over there. I'm like, is, is any of this sinking in? Is any of this interesting you? Eh, eh, whatever. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, whatever, whatever. <laughs> If, if I had been given the chance, like if I had the opportunity to go like to have a class like this that I could have done and then traveled to Hollywood and done that kind of stuff, I, cause that's what wow. I usually, you know, that's what I usually say is I'm like, yes, I ended up going into journalism and then I ended up going into education, but there was a part of me that in the back of my mind, it was like, do we try for USC and go to film school or, or something like yeah. that? And, and, uh, just didn't end up going that route, but like there's well, parts part of me that was like that the, the route back then was one that was very hard to support from, you mm-hmm. know, when I say hard to support from like parent, you know, they were trying to be practical and realistic and, you know, and then for you, like, well, at least for me, I mean, for me, when I say for you, it was like, you know, I was into sports I played sports. I want to be a baseball player. That was my dream job. But man, if you would have, if you would have given me that stuff back then, like I could have, that would have been a backup plan. And that would have been like, I could learn this stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, like there was always that love for it. It was just, I didn't have the opportunity or the access to things. Right. So if you're given the access and God forbid a class or semesters of classes like that, you go, man, well, what could have been, you know, right. now the good side is, you know, you're not dead and we're not dead. No one's dead right now. So right. Uh, there's no excuse now other than time and family and things like that, that take away those type of, you know, opportunities. Yeah. So when you see a kid who doesn't, you know, it's that whole thing, man, you guys, you just want to like, just wake them up and say, you have so much available to you that <laughs> don't take this for granted, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got to make a movie. <laughs> like if some teacher assigned me a chance mm-hmm. to do a homework project for a movie, I'd have been like, Oh my God, Mm-hmm. This is the most awesome thing in the world. I would be up like doing that. Thing. Like, what do you, what do you, like oh God, you got to do a movie project. Like, and again, not all kids are like that. There's some right. really awesome kids. I I can just point to some kids who made fantastic videos going on. And we got Sebastian, a bunch of people are out there doing stuff right now, mm-hmm. which is super cool and super thrilling to know that maybe that little light was maybe, you know, at least nurtured a little bit during those classes and throughout high school when yeah. they pursued that stuff later on. So that's a cool thing to know. Um, but it, you know, it, it's, but there's, it's, it, it does bother you when you see the kids are just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a video. I'm like, 
Let me, let me, like, like, let me make sure this is. Let me make sure this is working here. Wait, you 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 have to do a video. Wait, you have to do a video. What do you Give mean? me a twenty-page research paper. Then, if that's what you want, like, you, is that what you want? You get to do a video. Yeah. You you have the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, that always that always kind of drove me nuts because I mean, you knew back when I was teaching my class, yeah. I, there were plenty of times yeah. I was like, "Hey guys, I'm going to give you the option. We could make a movie instead of doing this other stuff." And then I'd have the kids be like, "Can I just please write the six-page essay as opposed to the?" I'm like, "Yes, yep. that is one of the options." But okay, so how many of you would like to opt for the six-page essay as opposed to making a short film? Yeah. Oh, ninety-five percent of you. Great. I really look forward to reading your six-page essays. And I remember one time I even, I think I even said that to the kids. I was like, guys, I've given you an option to respond to this in a very creative way. I said, I'm just telling you if 95% of you are truly going to choose the six page essay option that I've provided for you in here, those essays better be the best things I've ever read in my entire life. Yeah, I'm going to be in a real piss yep. ass dude when I'm reading them. Mm-hmm. But man, you turn into video, dude. You, I'm going to be pretty stoked and excited no matter how bad it is. Turn, turn in a video and you're, you're in. You're good. Well, it's just, you just like to see kids be creative, you yeah. know? And I think that's it. Because if you've got creativity in you and you want to kind of you know, exercise that, get that out, it's like, when other people have that chance. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, like I said, I'm partially jealous of a JJ rooms. I mean, he credits his grandfather and giving him that, you know, that, that camera when that was something that was rare and expensive and, you know, you had to wait like a week and they, they make fun of that in the super eight when they're like, you know, I can get a rush on this and get you back in four days to get your, your developed footage. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's a rush four days where I'm like, yeah. I used to stop it at that point and go guys, do you hear that? Yeah. So he filmed something. He doesn't know what it looks like for yeah. four days. And that's a rush. It would normally take a week. And right. I'm like, you can film something right now <laughs> and you can put it in the memory card in that computer and edit it right away and mm-hmm. edit it and have it up on YouTube in like 20 minutes if you want it, mm-hmm. you know, or not within an hour. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, do you, can that, does that sink into you? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> What's YouTube? Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Um, All right. So our movie this time around is Regarding Henry. It came out on the 10th of July, 1991, rated PG-13 with a runtime of one hour, 48 minutes, directed by Mike Nichols, uh, who passed away in 2014, also directed The Graduate and Working Girl. Producers on this one were Mike Nichols and Scott Rudin. Nichols did The Birdcage, Primary Colors. Rudin did The the Truman Show and No Country for Old Men. Uh, Writer on this one was Jeffrey Abrams, also known as J.J. Abrams, as we've been talking about, who also wrote Forever Young, the Alias TV series, and Super 8. Cinematography was done by Giuseppe Rotuno, who also did The Adventures of Baron Munchausen and Amarcord. Music was done by Hans Zimmer, who also did Gladiator, Dunkirk, and Inception. Budget for this one was 25 million, box office 43 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 61%. Cinema score gives it an A minus. Harrison Ford plays Henry Turner. He was in The Fugitive, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Witness. Annette Benning played Sarah Turner. She was in American Beauty, The Grifters, and The Great Outdoors. Rebecca Miller played Linda. She was in Consenting Adults and The Pickle. Uh, Bruce Altman played Bruce, Henry's partner. He was in Matchstick Men and Running Scared. Elizabeth Wilson, who died in 2015, played Jessica, Henry's secretary. She was in The Graduate and 9 to 5. Donald Moffat, who died in 2018, played Charlie Cameron, Henry's boss. He was in The Thing and Clear and Present Danger. Kamian Allen played Rachel Turner, Henry's daughter. 
He, uh, regarding Henry, I believe, was her only uh, credit. Robin Bartlett played Phyllis, was in Mad About You and Moonstruck. Bill Nunn, who died in 2016, played Bradley. He was in Mo Better Blues, Runaway Jury, and the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. An unscrupulous corporate lawyer, Henry Turner will do whatever it takes to win a case and treats his family with the same degree of ruthlessness. After Henry gets caught in the middle of a robbery and is shot in the head, he wakes from a coma to find that he has amnesia, can't even remember how to do the simplest of tasks. As he recovers and relearns how to function, Henry reveals a much kinder and more thoughtful personality, much to the surprise of his family and friends. Cancel my lunch tomorrow. I'm going to work through and move the dinner to next week. Mm. And call my wife and tell her I can't make dinner at 7.30. Be fine for the defendant on all counts. Yes. Success made Henry Turner's life perfect. Give me a break, will you? I just want a pack of cigarettes. Fate. Henry, I know you can hear me. Made it something more. Cardiac arrest caused lack of oxygen to the brain. It's going to be a long, tough rehabilitation. I'll be your physical therapist for the remainder of the evening. All right. In some ways, he's starting from scratch here. You're stepping like a natural man. Go ahead. Little loop, crossover. How did you learn to do that? You taught me. It's such a shame. I mean, he was so good. You've got a life back at home with friends and family and everything you could ever want. They love you. They're going to take care of you. Well, I don't want them to take care of me, Bradley. No, I don't like eggs. What? Eggs are your favorite. Mm -hmm. Okay, give me a lot of eggs. Where were you? I bought a dog. Mom, look. Since you've come home, we haven't made love. You're nervous or something. Well, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Um, okay, well, I'm really nervous. You did it! Are you my mother? <laughs> I can read! It's not Henry I feel sorry for, it's Sarah. This is Ajax! That's not! <laughs> it's like she's got two kids now. In this case? East Shore Hospital, your famous last case. What we did was wrong. What we did is paying for our lunch. I thought I could go back to my life, but I don't like who I was, Bradley. You didn't like showing affection in public. It bothered you. I don't mind so much anymore. One minute you're an attorney, the next you're an imbecile. That's not a very long trip. <laughs> you can't let them hurt you, those people. They don't know you anymore. I don't remember what I was like, Sarah. Don't listen to nobody trying to tell you who you are. We were in love once, years ago, and then we weren't, not for a long time. But we're better now. Please don't walk away. Not now. Harrison Ford. A Mike Nichols film. Regarding Henry. So um, I'm going to start with our typical question, but I'm going to kind of make this a two-parter. Uh, how does this movie make you feel? And is this the first time you've seen this movie? Not the first time I've seen this movie. I've seen it once before, I think, because when I watched it for this 
I was like, uh, it was kind of like, I, I've seen this. I know I've seen this. And then as I watch it, I'm like, oh, I've seen this. But it's been once, uh, I would say. And how does the movie make me feel? Um, maybe it's an all the feels movie, you know, uh, angry, sad. And then um, uh, 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 happy. And then um, what, what is it? What is the feel for when you're tasked with something? When you're when you're given a task, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what's what's that? Uh, not empowered, but um, con. He tasks yeah, me. <laughs> he tasks me, Joachim. <laughs> yeah, or Joachim, or how whatever that guy's name was. Joaquin. Joaquin. Is that what he said? His accent just threw me off, man. I don't remember. Okay, whatever. Okay. Where is the override? Um, whatever. Uh, but I, but the, the mm-hmm. last piece, I would say it, it, it leaves me with um, uh, challenged or tasked. I, I can't think of another word mm-hmm. other than that. It's just, so I'm going to stick with it. Um, not the first time I've seen it. I saw it back then, but I did not see it in the theater. I saw it on VHS or it must have been VHS at the time. Um and uh feelings i mean it's a it's just one of those it's it, i would say nice when you say feelings i guess i feel nice it sounds like a generic term but it's just a nice movie and it's uh it has some self-reflective qualities to it so you kind of look inward and you know makes you think about life and things and you know who you are and how sometimes people need a kick in the pants to wake them up to things and in this case, yeah, you know, um, it, re- it reminds me a little bit of uh, maybe we're jumping ahead, but it reminds me a little bit of the, f- the feelings are the same. There's sort of similar tones of when I watched my life with Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, the one where he has the video and he's dying, of you know, cancer and his kids on the way. And it's just that kind of there's a chance transformation that happens in the person's lives and tragedy helps do that. And, and I think that is true of all lives. So it makes you think about your own situations and different situations throughout your life. So introspective. Nice, good feeling, good movie. I liked it. So, yeah. I, for me, this was the first time I had seen it. I'd never seen this one before. Um, I, I knew I'd heard of it, but it obviously wasn't on, you know, it wasn't on a list of, of movies where I'm sitting there going, hey, I've really got to look into like some of the, the deeper Harrison Ford cuts here. Um, so, you know, definitely not one that I probably would have sought out if it weren't for, you know, having it on this show. Um, in terms of how I feel, I, you know, I, I, I usually try not to look at any kind of reviews or numbers or anything like that before watching the movie. This time I happened to and saw that it got some lower reviews on like Rotten Tomatoes, some of those other places. And I thought, well, okay. I mean, I haven't heard of it and maybe there's a reason I haven't heard of it. So maybe it's not all that great. Um, ended up watching the movie and really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, my wife and I both, we watched it together, really enjoyed the movie. Um, you know, and in terms of, in terms of how the movie makes me feel, um, you know, I, I'm going to say it this way, but I don't want it to necessarily come out sounding like I'm, I'm going to be bashing on the movie is it felt while it did have some of those qualities that you guys are talking about, you know, it had the, um, you know, it, it, it was something that could prompt some self-reflection and things like that. And it, you know, it definitely had kind of that message of getting the chance to, you know, 
redo some things in your life if you had the opportunity to a little bit of like a uh, it's a wonderful life kind of deal or um, what was that Nicolas Cage one the family man um, you know movies that are kind of like that where you get a chance to see what life would be like if, if you uh, you know if you lived it differently or if you had that opportunity um, had a little bit of a Rain Man vibe to it in certain ways um, but there were just there I don't know there were certain things to me and maybe and we can talk about that more here in just a second um maybe it's because of jj abrams youth um the storytelling to me didn't seem very full it didn't seem very in depth like there were several things that i'm watching the movie and i'm going well that seemed like it was going to be a major problem and then suddenly it got glossed over or you know I, i kind of expected them to go a little bit further with this and suddenly that just like magically cleared itself up and it's, it's not a problem now. So I don't know. There were certain things that it was, you know, in this movie, I could tell that we're going for, we're going for some of the feel good vibes with this movie, but there were certain places that I was like, you know, we could have, we could have still gotten to those feel good vibes, but I kind of wanted to see them deal with a few of these really kind of problematic things on the way to getting to those feel good vibes. And maybe I would have felt a little bit more like it's a, you know, I, I see this as being one example of what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Well, and, and, well, and, and I think the point I'm trying to make is I think that this movie had the opportunity to be something that could be, you know, on the level of like an Oscar contender or an award winner for, you know, for writing and for the film itself, because everything else about it is great. Um, but it just, it seemed like they got to some of these things a little too quickly. Like some of the stuff, the the financial trouble that they were going to be in, like that seemed to get handled a little too quickly. Like I, I would have thought that seemed like such a big thing. And I think that you could have, without adding an extra, you know, half hour, 40 minutes onto the movie, I think there are some things that you could have done storytelling wise to, you know, keep that plot point in there. Because I remember when we when we first start finding out when people are asking, you know, his wife, are you guys going to be okay? You know, money wise, or how are things going to work with him not being able to do his job and, and he's in a coma or he can't even walk. He can't even talk. And, you know, she has to lie about it. And it just, there was so much tension around that early on in the movie. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's eh, not a problem. You know, we sold our house. We moved to a smaller house. We're all good now. Like, yeah, based on, you know, and you guys, somebody even made the comment, like based on the lifestyle that you're used to having, I'm not sure that things are going to be that fine that quickly. Um, I remember that. Yeah. So I, it was, it was a couple of little things like that. Like a couple of little things of, you know, just, it seemed like some of the problems that I think could have been dealt with a little bit more in depth and, I, I think it just, I think it just glossed over some of those things. And I think it could have been a much deeper, much more meaningful movie. Not that it wasn't enjoyable and not that it didn't have its, its good and positive qualities, but it was a movie that when I came out on the other side of it, I was like, eh, that's nice. You know, yeah. could have been better, but that's nice. And the fact that, and I didn't look up to see how old JJ Abrams was and he wrote it, but I'm like, as a 25 year old, I'm like, okay, well there's good on you for being a 25 year old that, you know, has a, a Hollywood screenplay uh, produced. Um, that's amazing. But at the same time, I'm also wondering as a 25 year old, do you truly have enough of that life experience to really bring that depth into 
a movie like this. I mean, this movie requires some depth, and I'm not sure a 25-year-old, not that he's not skilled, but I'm not sure that a 25-year-old has that life experience to be able to draw on. Well, it almost points to a little bit of the lacking of what you're talking about is like the younger person often will think that there's quicker, simpler, easier ways to solve problems and they could just kind of work their way out very quickly. So it almost seems like that kind of pours through maybe a little bit of the story. And I, and I agree. And, and it's interesting. You did use the word that I used to describe how I felt when I watched it, which was nice. It was like, well, it's nice. Use the word nice. And that's really what I say is it's just nice. And is it a perfect script? Is it perfect? Perfect. No, it's good acting. It's got, uh, it's got Harrison Ford. And it's got Ned Benning, both great characters. I like the therapist Bradley. Um, I think he does a good job as well. I'm like, it's it's a nice story um but it but i do agree it yeah like why isn't that like you know what makes it not oscar worthy because stories like that could become oscar worthy and i think it's just yeah like you said those lacking it lacks a little bit more could the words depth could could it have been is it it could it have been helped with i mean it was an hour and 40 minutes. minutes. I thought about that too. If it's could longer, it, does it become better or is it, I couldn't tell if it was an issue with it being longer or if it's because I, I and I'm going to tell you, like, I mean, we're getting into the time period of movies here when I was really like starting to be old enough to go out to movies on my own and process how long they were and everything. And I want to say, this is when movies were in kind of a shorter phase, hour and a half, hour and a half. Hour, like, because, and then, and, it, and then it was like later nineties, it started, well, you had those epics, right. That were like the three hour ones. And then that was like, Oh my gosh, you're in there for a long time. And then, but then the movies kind of settled around two. So now when you go see a movie, it's, it's kind of two hours is the mark. And, and I mean, do you think, an hour and 50 minute movie or just coming in at two hours. Do you think that could have added more story? And I mean, obviously if done well, more story, more better. Do you think, or that it was just, you wish they would have covered a little bit more, John? Yeah. I I wish they would have taken some of those, some of those things that given his, given their lifestyle, given his profession, you know, given his, you know, his drive to be the best attorney he can be. And, and again, clearly, you know, clearly he enjoys having that money and he enjoys the kind of power that comes with that money. Um, you know, the, the whole thing about the table at the beginning, you know, it looks like a turtle and he's upset about it. And it's, a, uh, you know, I, I think just some of the some of the issues of the money and the power and things like that it just really kind of got thrown out the door um, to serve a story that was more of kind of a heartwarming, I don't want to say coming of age, but it actually is kind of coming of age because he has to start from scratch, um, you know, and relearn everything again. But um, yeah, I, there were some there were some issues that the movie started with, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm curious to see how they deal with this, and they didn't deal with it. You know, it just it just got tossed out, and and the story from there, I don't know if simplistic is the right word, but it yeah. felt like the story became very simplistic from that point on. Simplistic with some contrived sort of setups and yeah. twists and stuff like that. That you know, when I first watched it, I think worked better on me. And when you watch it again, you see, I wouldn't say the amateur type of, or the, the, the in, in, now that I know, again, now it's like I, when I watched it again, I realized it was JJ Abrams. I'm like, and it's young JJ Abrams. It makes more sense of where those kind of holes are. And, and but, at, but at the same time, it also makes me a little bit more forgiving. 
you know, where if this was a 55, 60 year old man who wrote it, you wrote it, you might be like a little bit more harsh on them about like those weaknesses where I feel like I'm in a more forgiving mood because it was a young JJ Abrams automatically wrote that. That's where I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if I can, that's my bias towards it. Um, thinking like, Hey, you know what? Still pretty darn good for 20. Like you said, 25 year old guy writing this movie. Um, it, it explains some of those misgivings of it, but at the same time, it also lets me forgive those misgivings because dude, you're 25. What the hell was I doing at 25? You know? So yeah, I, I, I agree. That's why I just wanted to hear like some of the reasons and, you know, it's hard to put a, it's hard to put a thing on exactly what's missing what makes it not Oscar quality when mm-hmm. you know the story, the idea potentially could have been something like when you look at, you know, what makes the English patient, you know, an Oscar film, what makes mm-hmm. other ways, you know, like there are certain stories that aren't, you know, but there's a certain depth to them, I guess, or maturity to them that maybe helps with that, that this one didn't completely have, but yeah. But yeah. Nice film. So I, so I know that you've, and, and you've said that you're a pretty big JJ Abrams fan and you've, you've followed his work and everything else. Do you feel like in this movie, I know one of the things he's famous for is, is his uh, mystery box style of storytelling. Um, do you feel like there's a way that that's getting worked out in this movie? You know, this is one of the first movies, one of the first screenplays that for a major movie that, you know, he was, he was able to get produced and, and filmed. Um, do you feel like you can see evidence of that getting worked out in this movie? Well, I think definitely the whole, like, you know, fair thing there's a, mm-hmm. the crackers and then there's the Ritz Carlton and then there's the, you know, and then his fair. And then it was like, not only did she have an affair, he had an affair and like, it's like, Oh, here comes the next one. Like you think it's just going to be him and he leaves. And that's where you're kind of left going with it the first time. Like, Oh, how dare she cheat on him? But then wait a second. Oops. You cheat on her too. You know, I, a little bit of that where it's like a little bit of the plot twist type of like, Oh, next thing you, you know about this, but now you know about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know about that now, but you didn't really know about, you know, I think there's a little of that in there maybe getting worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you bring that up. And that was what, that was another example I was going to give is the character of Linda. You know, we see her at the beginning. She's in the courtroom with him. She's one of yeah. the, she's one of the other attorneys, you know, in, in his firm. And, you know, we see her at the beginning there. We don't really see her. I, I feel like we don't really see her again until later on in the movie. Yeah. They're having lunch that one time and he's already had his accident. He's already come back. Um, and he's asking them about, you know, we had this court case and we told them that, you know, there, there was no evidence of this, but there is, and we did something wrong. And, and then you see her again later on. Um, and she, you know, mentions that, Hey, you were going to leave your wife for me. And, and every, that was another thing that was like, Whoa, like, where did that come from? Yeah. Like, where did that come from? And she, you know, she, in that conversation, they have that last conversation that they have. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty tough conversation and, and you can tell that she's really impacted by what happened to him. And that's another spot where I'm like, well, I would have been, I mean, I, I know that this movie is about him reconnecting with his family, but at the same time, you know, I, I almost think that idea of the mystery box where, Ooh, Hey, look at this. We've, you know, now all of a sudden, woohoo, he, he had an affair too. Like for me, that almost kind of takes away from, well, how is she also dealing with, why didn't we get to see evidence of her struggling with him being in a coma? If, if she loved him yes. as much as she seems to, why didn't we ever get to see her visit him at the home or, or even struggle with, you know, I shouldn't go visit him because I'm, you know, helping him cheat on his wife or 
any of that stuff. So I, that was the, so like I said, I, I really enjoyed the movie, really liked the movie, but it was stuff like that, that I was like, because I, I just I, want and more. Again, I think your answer for that, like my answer would be to, would be again, comes back to that maturity where I think somebody older might put that part of the story into it. But a 20 something year old, he's banking more on that plot twist. That was going to be like, ah, yeah, he was cheating later. So he can't reveal that earlier. Right. Otherwise he can't reveal it as that quick. Like, and you know, I think he sees it as a witty plot twist that's yeah. going to catch people off guard. And they're like, aha, look at it's him too. Yeah. You know? And I think that if he gives that away earlier with some depth to it and explores that relationship in a different way, he can't use it as not, not the punchline, but the, you know, the, the gotcha moment, the, Ah, later on mm-hmm. and i think that's just uh that's just a younger writer who's who wants that surprise more than he wants that explored mm-hmm. is what i would say but so pat i'm gonna i'm gonna direct this question at you because i know you're the you're the defender of children when it comes to movies <laughs> um i don't know that's the uh in that, that's basically the reputation you've gotten on the podcast is if kids yeah, are ever gonna be in trouble you're gonna yeah that's the rep yeah. that's the rep um so in terms of this movie, I mean, he is, he, he's a jerk to yeah. his wife, to, especially to his daughter. Um, I mean, that, you know, I just like I, that I, apology, the non-apology apology. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, I mean, and I started laughing cause that's just totally the, like, look, you spilled juice on my piano, mm-hmm. but that piano is pretty special to me. First of all, that's let's, why s- first of all, first world problems to begin with. You spilled juice on my piano. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it was like, uh, you know, this whole thing. And then it all wraps up. It all wraps up with good talk. Good talk. Mm-hmm. And she's what? just sitting there with kind of the, what are you saying? I mean, that scene. Not, I, not, I only to- that, not only does it end with the good talk kind of a thing, but it ends with the, okay, well, uh, daddy had a big case today. I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it was perfect. Yeah, it, that that scene was perfect. Uh, I don't know what your question was, but I just jumped right in. Was it like was was it the Chris Farley? What'd you think of that scene? What'd you think of that? Yeah, <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you think of that? That one that one scene with that thing and the um, yeah. No, what it's, I was going to ask you was, do you feel like um, over the course of the rest of the movie, obviously he has you know he has the accident, he's shot in the head, and he becomes basically a brand new person. Um, do you feel like this movie gives him a chance to redeem that scene in any way, or is it just like wiped out? It's like ah, no, that was a different person. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I tend to think of things as like a process, you know, and I'm, I mean, I, I'll relate it to my, <laughs> my multitude of failings as a father on a daily basis is I always try and tell myself like, okay, yeah, you blew it this time, but you know what? It's a process and I'm not going to mess my kid up if I learn from my mistake and I make sure I like we move ahead. You know what I'm saying? And like my kids are getting old enough so that, you know, there's times that, well, we're all quarantining. So, I mean, you know, we're all together and there's times when we get on and, you know, and there were a couple of times that like, you know, we'd, we'd be on break and it was just kind of one of those rough days. One of those days that it's just like, you know what, let's all find a corner of the house. We're all in the same room. We're all like literally in the same room. Let's all go to like, that's just what we need right now. And, you know, there was a little bit of a, we kind of needed to rally and there was a like, 
you know, just with the kids, they're like, like kind of what is going on? It was like, Hey, you know what? Sometimes families go through this, but we have to, we have to move on. Like one bad day isn't going to like wreck it. Like one mistaken thing is not going to, um, and that's what made that first part of the movie. And that's why I jumped to that scene right away is because that wasn't like a one-time thing. That wasn't like a dude. I totally like, I lost my stuff when you, you know, spilled something on the piano. Right. Um, you know, and I, and I try and relate it to myself. Like I don't, I don't have a piano, but how would I feel if like the kids knocked my trumpet over, you know? And it's like, dude, that's like, that's my horn. I mean, that's like, that's my tool for my connection to like a part of me, you know? Um, or if they, if they peewee big adventured it and kicked your motorcycle over. Right. Like, let's say they're messing around in the garage and they knock the bike over and, you know, I mean, and it's like, okay, I'd probably, I'd probably be a little surly. Okay. Um, but then I got to look back and say, but, but there's not a pattern of that to where I'm like constantly on them for every little thing, every little nick in the wall, every little hole, every time they spill all that kind of stuff. That was the scary part of this movie is what you saw there is you would imagine that is happening every day in that house. So then to go to your question, well, what, does that redeem it? I think all of a sudden, you know, okay, he, he was making withdrawals from the bank of the family, right? When he started, when he came back and he was kind of reborn there, now he's starting to put deposits in, right? And I think, I really think, does that redeem who he was before? Well, no, but I think sometimes kids are resilient. And I think, I'm trying to remember, I think the daughter seemed to kind of no, because Annette Benning's character flipped over pretty well. The daughter was kind of weirded out at first, but then it was suddenly like, this is, wow, okay, so you want to spend time with me. Okay, you want to hear my problems. You are checking in with me. You are, you know, and, and I think that started to build that relationship up again. Do you know what I'm saying? And so you don't get that part of the, you know, like you said, and I, I'm not going to question JJ Abrams, not because I, I disagree with you guys, but just cause I can't hold a candle to his talent, but that's what the other half hour of the movie would have shown is it would have been cool to see more of that relationship building, but you're led to believe that he's going to get it because he makes that statement. I missed 11 years of my daughter's life. I don't want to miss anymore. And so you're led to believe that he's going to make a point to make up for that. Now, is it reality? Like, would a would a twelve year old kid just accept that, or still be stung from what happened in the past? You know, I, I don't know. Within the construct of this movie, yeah, happily ever after, and that's what they were going for. In real life, as we all know, because we all have families, I mean, it's just constant working, right? So I think as long as he would maintain that same thing where he's just living for his family then I think that that would redeem himself. I don't know if that, did that kind of answer your question? I think it's mm -hmm. so, and I just want to say about that piano incident, do you notice the piano never came up in the movie? I mean, it wasn't like he was some big musician. It wasn't, I mean, it was a status symbol, mm -hmm. right? It was, that's all it was, was just another decoration in the house, you know? Luxury. What'd you say? Luxury. Yeah, it was just, and, and you, you sure. touched, you touched my stuff. It, would, it would have been different if the piano looked like a turtle. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that, that, that where he comes into the house, like for the first time and he walks by and he's like, oh, nice table. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> when he has a completely yeah. different outlook on that. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's like, it, 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 the thing is, is it's so, it's so corrupt, you know, what he's, what he's saying. Well, there's a lot wrong to it, but the point that he says where you need to learn to respect other people's stuff and you need to learn that there's places that you, you know, there is a point to that where, yeah. And like, I got to tell my kids too, like, why are you guys like walking around with food? Like go sit down at the table. Right. Um, but the part that's missing that in the beginning of the movie is he, you know, you're teaching kids that you can't just get angry and fly off the handle. And if you do get angry and fly off the handle, you got to beg forgiveness because that's not the way to, you, you get what I'm saying? You know, I mean, and I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm no perfect dad, but it's like every time I'm trying to like, guys, I told you to calm down at the table. We're jumping around, we're messing around. And now milk spilled all over the table and we got to clean it up. That's, I mean, you're teaching your kids respect, like someone else is going to clean up after you. So like, that's not like, let's calm it down. Right. Well, there's better ways to do it. Teach them to teach them to clean it up. Okay. You made the mess. Like you need to clean it up. Be humble. Usually I get done telling my kids like, guys, what you're messing around, you're spilling things. I turn around, I end up spilling something, you know? So I, yeah, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot there that was kind of like not shown, but, uh, yeah. So long story short, yes, I, within what we see in the movie, I think he can redeem himself. Yeah. That was, uh, that was one of the things I was kind of wondering with this was, does the, the introduction of the idea that it's amnesia, that he can't remember a lot of his previous life, then when he make, when he makes this new life, you know, in the, in the second half of the movie, in the second, you know, three quarters of the movie, when he makes this new life for himself, is that as meaningful because he can't remember a good portion of his life before. So he's not really, it, it's, it's almost like at the beginning of the movie, we're set up with this character and I don't mean to be like ragging on the movie and, and, you know, really giving it a hard time. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of maybe talk through what I had hoped to see from the movie that would have given it a little bit more depth. Um, But can he, or in a movie like this, can he truly atone for that behavior in the beginning of the movie? If he doesn't remember having been that person, what do you guys think? And in a movie similar to this, maybe not even just regarding Henry, but in a movie like this, if you have a character who can't remember the person they were before, when they make this new life, in the second half of the movie, are they truly atoning for that behavior or is it basically just, well, forget that first 20 minutes and it's a brand new character and enjoy this heartfelt movie. I mean, that's a good question. Like, does it count because it was taken away from, it wasn't done on his own through introspection, but at the same time, there is a discovery process that goes on about who he is and who he wants to be. And I think that the, I mean, one of my, we get to the quotes, like I like one of the things that kind of hits home with me is the speech with Bradley, um, the therapist about the football, about the football career mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and that whole thing of, he knew his life was over at that minute, but it wasn't a therapist and you know how he became. So, I mean, I read the whole quote, but, um, you get to kind of find out who you are, who you really are. So was that person before really him? Or was this really him? I think that could be a, an adequate question as well. Like, was there a reset button on who he really was? Maybe he was a better person when he was younger, and he lost his way and became a really shit 
person through power and through all the other things and through environment and through job and through career and putting all those things first. So is this really him going back to the base of who he is and rediscovering that? Or is your question valid? Is this just kind of like a, you know, he didn't really choose to become a different person. So it doesn't count is, I don't know if that's what you're kind of alluding to. Um, but he does have a choice now because he knows things. He knows that he was a lawyer. He knows that what was right and wrong. And he knows that he has a choice. So he lost maybe the condition he had or the blinders he had on in the past. And he can still choose that path technically, but it just doesn't feel right for him. And, you know, and he's making choices that were better now. I don't know. So I think there is still an element of choice. So I think it does count, I guess, is my bottom circle around all the way around answer. Okay. It's, because yeah. he, he could still be a, he could still go back and be a nasty lawyer, and he could follow with when the guy's saying, "Hey, this is what's paying for our lunch, and this is what's, you know, he can he can go that route. He could technically. There's nothing stopping him. You know, he makes a choice not to. Um, finding out that he had the affair, he could, you know, finding out that his you know wife had the affair, he, could, he can go a certain path, and instead he makes the choice not to. Um, so I think that given the situations, it's. it's maybe unfair to sit there and say that it doesn't count because he still is faced with choices and he's self-aware enough that he does have still a choice between ethical decisions and and not the unethical and he's choosing ethical this time. Maybe that's who he really was 20 years before, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Well, and and that's a thoughtful question. So I don't know if it's, it's hard to, yeah. Dennis, I think you're exactly right when you say, I don't know, because that was going to be the next thing I said is that's, that's the nice thing about it is it's not up like, you know, it's not for him to judge, like it's someone else is going to judge him. Right. It's up to, and I mean, you know, we can get it discussing like a, a higher power and all of that will be the judge, or we could keep it, you know, a uh, uh, secular and this worldly and say the community will be the judge. Right. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's where I thought the scene where, um, you know, and, and obviously we'll put aside the discussion about, you know, a, a higher power because that did not come into play in this movie. And, you know, we could, we, we could easily make this episode 12 hours long, but uh, you know, as far as like the, this worldly kind of stuff, when he went to the door and like, they recognized him, you know, the, 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 the one that he got right at the beginning in the court case, and he knocked on the door and it was just like, why are you here? And he's just like, I, you know, I think he said, you know, I'm seeing things differently now or whatever. And it was kind of, it was pretty, you know, she was, it wasn't like, Oh, well come in, we'll make it. Okay. And he's like, look, please just take this, give it to your lawyer. And he turns around to walk away. And like at, at, at first she looked up and, and I mean, it was like, like she got it. She's like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and I can't remember if she said thank you or whatever, but at first, like I was worried. I thought they were going to make it like she was going to say something. He was going to say something and she was going to invite him in and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, so glad the way they did it where he came up and he's like, look, I just want to give this to you. Cause at this point it's the right thing to do. I can't go back. I can't go back in time. I can't, you know, and like he said, he can't go back in time, whether he remembers that person or whether he doesn't remember that person, but he's, you know, he's a different person now. Who I am and, now. Yeah. This is who I'm I am now. Go forward. You got to go forward. And that's what I thought was great about that scene is, is, is they weren't like rushing to say, oh, well, 
all is forgiven and all is this, but they just judge that one thing. Thank you. This is, you know, and that's, that's just how they left it. So, I mean, at, at that point, it's just, it's going to be, it's up to his wife. It's up to his daughter. It's up to his friends and to judge whether that, you know, is, is, you know, and eventually, you know, obviously when you go to the great hereafter, it's up, you know, it's up to, it's up to the, 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 you know, the higher power or whatever you believe in that will judge you. And, um, so it's, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but it's just kind of like out of his hands. Like, that, you know, all I can do is what I can do. And, uh, yeah. All right. Well, do we have any, in, in terms of the movie, do we have any like favorite scenes? Uh, Dennis, you mentioned you might have a couple of favorite quotes. I, I think for me, you know, and again, it's a long quote, but it's just that whole story. And, um, I think that one, when I look back at what, like, even what, I think we always struggle. Like, at least when I say we, I'm saying me, I know a friend, um, <laughs> speaking for a friend now, it's the, 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 the speech that the guy gave about like, um, where he's like, I got bad knees. Well, you know, I have one bad knee, but, um, he, I'll, I'll read it really quick, but it's, uh, he goes, Bradley goes, I got bad knees. He's like, why? He goes, my knees, they're bad. Ask me why. And he's like, why? And Bradley says football, wrecked them both playing college football, man. It was my life football. What else was there? Not jack shit homecoming, right? The son of a bitch threw a perfect spiral and I caught it. Boom. Right out of the sky. I had the moment when the safety hit me and I felt my knees pop. I knew it was it. That was it. Game over. Forget it. I was dead. My life is over, Hank. Now ask me if I mind having a bad knee, having bad knees. He's like, do you mind? He's like, no, no way. It was a test. I had to find a life. The therapist that helped me walk again, he was so cool. I thought that's what I want to do. When I told some of my buddies, they laughed right in my face, called me a nurse, bought me a white dress, but check it out. You're walking, you're talking, you're sitting here drinking some pretty expensive damn beer. I had something to do with that. If it weren't for my knees, I'd never met you. So no, I don't mind having my bad knees. No, let me tell you something, Hank, don't listen to nobody trying to tell you who you are. It might take a while, but you'll figure it out yourself or figure yourself out. So just that whole interaction, I think that speech was just like, I or speech or, you know, like, like uh, interaction was just a really, you know, because I, I would, baseball was life for me. You know, it really was like, that was, I was going to be a baseball player. I gave up Fridays and Saturdays where other people were out partying and playing around and goofing around and stuff. And I was in the gym and I was working out. It was baseball, baseball, baseball. And then I had an ankle injury that was pretty severe and it really, you know, it wasn't like it as immediate as that. I didn't give up for a while but it was in the back of my mind it was like man i'm not 100 and i'm not the same since i had this injury it was my you know planting legs so so for me it's like a, a just a story that still resonates with me now about having a certain dream and not going that way and then what do you do and what kind of life do you find and what do you you know what do you you know, there was a post-traumatic sort of like stress to that to a certain degree of like looking back on, well, not doing what I should have been doing, you know, like I should have been playing baseball. And if you live your life that way, you know, um, you know, where does that get you? So that whole idea of moving forward about finding a life about making, you know, those type of things, I, it, it definitely was a personal struggle for me that went well into my third. And I, and I'm not going to say in my thirties, I'm going to say even, even there's remnants of that today. You know, there's little bits and pieces where I say, I go to a baseball game. I couldn't go to a baseball game for, for years. People are like, why aren't you going to a baseball game? You're a baseball family. 
No, because it hurt too much to watch it. Because sitting in that stand wasn't where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be out in that mound. I was supposed to be in that field, you know. And it was torture to do that. So the story of that, that you have tragedies or things in your life that direct you in a different way, you may not realize it. It's up to us to determine, you know, where, where we want to go and what we want to do and how to find that life. So to me, that, that story, I think that, that alone was like the kind of the price of admission for the movie for me with all the other flaws. For me, that just strikes a personal chord. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Well, first of all, Dennis, thank, you know, thank you for sharing that really personal story. Cause I, 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 please don't take this the wrong way, but I, when I watched that and I heard him tell that story, I was like, I really hope Dennis is on the podcast tonight. Cause I really want to get his perspective with that story. And, and that's, I mean, thank you so much for sharing that because that's, that's, uh, um, you know, that's a very, and the way it's written too. It's written almost from that perspective, just the, the way the guy says it, like, no, that was life. Like that was life. And when this didn't happen, life is over, you know, and you want to have that almost like that, you know, and, and for me, I'm not a, you know, um, a person who's like life is over, but you felt like it, but you would not, you know, in, in other words, there's no, like, you know, I don't have, I don't tend to have any sort of like suicidal tendencies over that, but that's the torture of it. I still have to live a life now, but my life that was supposed to be, isn't there as a young 20 something person who's looking back at all those Fridays that I didn't go out all the time. I was doing what I was supposed to. It was kind of like, it was, it was a little bit of feel the dreams. Like what's in it for me? Like, like I've done everything you've asked. Like I have, I've been the good guy who's done this. I haven't been out partying and drinking drugs. I didn't part and do it. I've worked my butt off. I've trained hard. I've tried to be good. You know, like you, you put in the work in this, you know, one stupid mistake of playing a basketball game for a pickup basketball game and it, and that's done and that's it. You're telling me that's over. Like that's how quick it goes. And there's a certain unfairness that you feel like you're stuck. Like, you know, so you get a little bit of that pity party thing going. And I think that's what, you know, Henry and, and it's just, it's just a really good little, little short dialogue that I think probably resonates with more than just me, that there's a lot of people out there that I'm sure that have had those dreams and those things that they want to do. And then life throws a curveball. And then what do you do? You know, I mean, we know that right now there's people dealing with curveballs right now that we know, you know, you're sitting there planning something else and then this happens. And what do you do? You know, COVID has done that for people as well, you know, where it's woken some people up to some things and, so this is the scene in this movie where he gets shot, man. Ooh. I still like, you can look up that clip on there. It's it's the way it's done is so there's a coldness to it and an immediateness to it. Like that's it, you know, cause he gets shot first there and he's like, well, no, wait a minute. And, and all of a sudden, boom. And the next shot goes in his head. He tries to walk. You see him start repeating words and it's just like, you just yeah. literally see like the erase, but like, he's like almost like a, a videotape and you're just ripping the tape out. You know, it's like, he's being erased right there before your eyes, mm -hmm. like literally being erased. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I thought that scene was, I was, I was shocked by that when I was a kid. Like when I first saw that, like, what was I probably why when I was a kid, about 20 years old. But when I saw that scene and the, the, the quickness, I was, where'd that come from? I was not expecting that. And it expected it to be in such a graphic way in a cold way. And it wasn't like his head was blown out. You know, it was just a little hole right there. And it was like, he could still sort of function. He didn't just fall to the ground right away. He turned and starts walking out and then falls into the door. And, you know, and it was just like, you just saw him literally like shutting down. Yeah. Like that is the reset button right there. You know, 
So it's a couple impactful scenes for me, I think, just on a personal level that I think at the time, you know, you look at when, how old I was and, you know, and it's about when I was seeing that movie. And it was, I think that also has kind of an impact where a life that you had planned, whether or not that was, you know, for him, it was, it was kind of a, it wasn't the greatest life that he was living. So I didn't relate on that end of it. Like, Oh, I'm living a bad life. It was more like, wow, you know, what do you do when things didn't go the way you wanted them to? And, yeah. yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I watched the movie Soul, the Disney movie. Yeah, I want to see that. I, yeah. Have Have either of you seen it? No. Not yet. I heard it's good. Uh, it's yeah. really, it's really good. Yeah. Am I biased because it's jazz music? Yes. Or <laughs> as, 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 as is termed in the movie, uh, black improvisational music. Um, but uh, it, it, yeah, so I'm biased because it's jazz music. I'm not going to get into spoilers, but they address in the movie on a very deep level. I think I'm a simpleton. So maybe I'm easily impressed. I don't think so that I'm easily impressed. I am a simpleton, but they address in the movie. What is the purpose of life? And you go through it and, and they hit on a lot of these things. Like this is what I'm, this is my life's mission. I am supposed to be, you know, whether a ball player, a musician, uh, whatever. And the movie really interrogates that. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. But I encourage you that that's this, that movie is a completely different kind of movie, but it, it almost is an extension of the discussion that, that, uh, well, the discussion that we're having, the, the questions that are being posed you know, and, and like your, your, with your personal narrative there, Dennis, I, I think that movie just does a beautiful job of kind of giving you kind of the next piece and almost in a way, does the movie share DNA with what's happening here? Well, I don't know. They're pretty different movies, but you're seeing the same kind of thing. Um, I think any of those movies that are, and that's what I've heard. It's a pretty deep movie and it's anything that's going to cause you to be self-reflective, self-introspective. And what is the purpose? Life. What is the purpose of life? And, and, and kind of an extension of, I expected to be running this race, but now I'm running this race. This is not the race I expected to be running. And again, I'm going to stay out of spoilers, but I see the movie because it really, it presents some, some further questions for this kind of a discussion. Yeah. Anything that's an exam, you know, what's an exam in life, you know, an exam in life, what's a, what's a life well worth well or well lived. You know, I think everybody faces that when they look in a mirror at some point and, um, and it's something everybody can relate to. And some people will push that away for a while and don't like to look there. And some people are faced with it more abruptly, but I think everybody, everybody gets there at some point. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, coming back to, you know, like, I think that with, with John's original thought about like, you know, is this a re like, does it count? Because I, you know, he ultimately, what other, cho what other choice does he have? That's who he is right now, you know? And I think if you're taking the, the positive approach to that, it's what do you, like you said, what do you do going forward? You know? What are your thoughts on it, John? In terms of that, you know, is he, is he truly able to make amends for mm -hmm. his past life? Um, I think to a, I think to a certain degree, um, I mean, it does seem like as he goes through the rest of the story, he has moments of memory that are coming back to him. So I, I think if he completely did not remember any of 
that previous life before the accident, then I think I would have a hard time believing that he is, you know, that, that there was a- actual atonement. Now, that's not his fault. I mean, getting shot in the head and not having any memory, that, that's not his fault at all. But, you know, just I think in terms of the in terms of the storytelling, why, if he doesn't have to go through anything to atone for that, why show us such a jerk of a character in the beginning and then, you know, erase it and just say, but it didn't really matter now because he's a completely new person. Like to mm-hmm. me, it was, he was such a jerk in the beginning of the movie. And so, you know, power and money and, you know, all the other people in the world are just his to walk over. Um, you know, why show that extreme if you're not going to have him atone for it in some way? Um, you know, so I think it, I, I think for the, for the movie and for what it is, I think because he has those moments later on where he does remember certain things, I, I think you could definitely say that, you know, he realizes that he, cause I think there's even a line in the movie. He says um, to his wife, I think he says something like, I don't like who I was before. Yeah. So he knows enough to remember kind of, you know, what his life was like and how he treated people. And he knows enough to be able to go to that family, to go to that, uh, that wife and give her the document that she can share with her attorney. So I think there is enough there to be able to say that, yes, he knows enough to be able to be making amends for what he was like before. Um, I think it just took, I think it took a lot of me having to think through it for a while Mm -hmm. to really kind of pull out those details and say, Oh, okay. Well, actually he, now that I think about it a little bit more, he did do this. You know, he did have that, um, and I think, yeah. like you said, I think he was getting the memory back. And I think had he not known it and somebody had told him you were a jerk before and he didn't right. know anybody, he was just like, whatever. He was coming back to these, you know, kind of almost confused states of like, wow, wait, this, like he, rem- he started to remember these things. Yeah. And I think that's why I said it becomes a choice Yeah, um, is because he is remembering those things and he could either follow that path and go back to who he was because he's being faced with these memories and, and who he was. But as he does, he's in a, different perspective where he could be like, well, what a jerk that was to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like he was able to judge it differently Yeah, and, uh, and look outside of himself in in a way, in a way the interesting, you know, taglines are interesting too. I don't know. The taglines for these two that they gave, which is typically basically if you walk in to do a pitch, you're given a tagline and then they'll say, okay, tell me more. Um, the first one was, uh, the story of a man who had everything, but found something more, which I don't like that tag line because when they say the story of a man who had everything, he was really a jerk who had in many ways, nothing. So I'm not really a big fan of that one. The second one was his life was based on power, success, and ruthlessness until a bullet made him think again, you know, which I guess is a little bit more true to the story. Yeah, but first, but the first one, the story of man who had everything but found something more, I feel like is too wishy, like a weak tagline for that yeah. movie. It doesn't fully really describe it because he didn't really have everything. He had power, success, and ruthless. But is that everything? You know? Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of like uh, it, it would be the more accurate thing. A man who had 
what some aspects of society would term everything. Everything. That's why. Yeah, I, I, and it's too wordy. And yeah. Yeah. It was a little too. But I do like to until a bullet made him think again because that's really what happened here. It hits a pause yeah. button on him, and here's a man who never probably would have been self-reflective, never would have probably looked into himself, and the bullet and the tragedy is what allowed him that pause button to kind of do that. And as he does it, these things are slowly being revealed to him over time, and he's getting more of his memory back and kind of you know, wow, I did this or this happened and putting pieces together and he's confused and he's disappointed and probably feel guilty. And, you know, and at the same time, um, just kind of slowly processing things. And, and that's where I think Harrison Ford's performance is, is, you know, we haven't really talked completely about that, but I think he's really good with some of those facial expressions where just the confusion and saying things and, you know, and that with his, with his, with his expression sometimes, and I think he does a pretty good job in there with this. Cause, Cause you know that there's wheels and they're spinning. And I think that's what I always kept going with. So I feel like that was happening inside his head. So that whole idea of like, is he choosing this or is this just, you know, not fair because he didn't really get to atone for it because, but I feel like there's a bunch going on there as he's, I can't imagine there's maybe a flood of memories that are starting to come back or trickling in in little drops or, and then waves. And, and he's got to sort this all out of who the hell was I? And wow, was I really that? And that's not who I feel like I should be in. And there's a rustling going on, you know, in his head every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, and this might sound silly, a couple of the things once he got up out of the hospital, walking again and everything, and he was kind of more almost like a like it had like aspects of childlike wonder, you know, like walking around and stuff. And when he was in the library, especially like there were some of his mannerisms. It almost reminded me of the way Will Ferrell played Buddy in Elf. Mm -hmm. It really like and and there were some that it's like, oh, but like there was one where he. He does this eye thing where his eyes oh, got Tom weird. And big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Tom Hanks and big. Oh, yeah. Tom I mean, big little elephant. Yep. A little yeah. I, I just saw some things. I'm like, wow, that's, I'm, I'm kind of just the way they, they played that. Yeah. Just the looks. And yeah. You, you know, it's, it's funny. Quick story. I, w- I was talking to a colleague, not at our school, another place that had been, and I'm, I'm a keep everything real generic, you know, obviously, um, or general. And he was at a a seminar, right? And he was talking about at the seminar, they brought in on like four or five consecutive days, um, these, these folks that were like at the top of their, as the top of the heap of the career, they were the ones writing the books. They were the ones that are getting their names out there. They were the ones that had all these philosophies on, you know, this, everything and, and all that. They, they were the names of the, of, um, of, of this particular industry. And, um, it was funny because it wasn't a panel discussion each day. It was a different speaker talking about, well, what made them successful, what they did. And like I said, one of them wrote a book, one of them had, you know, and there was one person in the class in the seminar that always asked the same thing. And they, they, and this, this wasn't for undergrads. I mean, everyone was graduate student or, or, you know, um, out had been working and was further education. The same question they always asked of these incredibly successful people in this field was the same. It was, how do you maintain the work life balance? How do you maintain family, you know, with all this? And they said, and they said that the, the, the disheartening slash scary slash sad thing was each person said, Oh, I don't have a family life. Like I, I don't, 
I don't have anything like, and it was stuff like sometimes like I hardly know my kids or, you know, I'm kind of, it was, it was just pretty disheartening and they all didn't hear each other. All these different people that were talking didn't hear each other because they were there on separate days, but each kind of had the same answer. And I think, you know, you don't want to overly generalize and say, Oh, if you're successful, you don't have a family life. I mean, no, there's ways to do it. But I think the message is, like anything, like we've been talking in here, you've got to work for it each day and work to make a point to make that happen. You know, um, whatever, whatever that might be. But I, I, I don't know, watching this, that, that story stood out in my mind of this friend of mine that was relaying that. And he said, yeah, boy, that, that sure opened his eyes. And he says, you know what, like, I want to do the best I can at my job and, you know, and, all this kind of stuff, but boy, the family comes first. And if for some reason that means that like, I might have to be a little bit less successful at my job, or maybe I'll just be a nobody. I'm not going to be out there writing books and doing all that. Got to make sure you do the family thing the right way. You know, that was a, it was a, it was a heck of a story, you know? Yeah. Each person, how do you maintain that balance? Oh, I I don't, I don't have a family like positive family. It's just like, oof. All right. Well, do we have any other thing? I am Mr. Reed. I believe you are on. I am muted. There we go. (laughs) Okay. Let's mark that down. My, my only things I had marked down for this whole episode were 25 minutes in Dennis is on mute. 51 minutes in Dennis swears 57 minutes in Dennis swears. And now hour and 16 John's muted. And I didn't swear. Bradley Bradley swore. Well, yes. Reading lines. Right. Yes. I would never swear. Of course not. No. Yeah. You it you tell your kids in class that when they bring up uh you know, I for this essay I'd like to use this quote from Pulp Fiction. There you go. There you go. Not All me. Right. Hey, did they choose to do the movie project? I'm fine with that. Does what does Marcellus Wallace look like? Well, let me tell you what this person said. Hey, they chose to do the movie project and they didn't choose to do the paper. I'm all right with that. Okay. All right, that's fine. Uh do we have anything else we want to say before we go to the three questions? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. It is time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, three questions. First question, what is your favorite movie featuring a doctor or hospital? Who's going first here? I, I You're think- going first. I think I can do this one. I think I can do this one pretty quickly. Um, I really enjoy. I mean, I like the movie itself as a whole, but um, I think just the the little scenes that do take place in the hospital, showing um, you know the character as a doctor. uh, I I like the movie What Dreams May Come. I think there's there's a scene in that one. um, You know, when Robin Williams, he's the doctor, and he goes into the the waiting room when he's the he's the pediatric doctor he goes in that waiting room and there's like a painting on the wall it's like a a mural on the wall of like a 
so like a statue, uh, like a, almost like a statue, and it's like a naked statue. And this little kid has taken a yellow crayon and is like drawing P, you know, going down from the statue to the floor. And he just kind of walks up. He's like, you know, I bet he feels a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I don't know, the, the whole scene, you know, the times where he's playing the doctor in that movie, it's, it's not the main part of the movie, but I don't know. I just like those scenes. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, he's a doctor in the movie. So, and then mm-hmm. he has the doctor, which is, he calls the other guy Doc. Yep. Because um, it's his mentor. Yeah. I didn't think of that one. That one did not cross my mind. No. I had like a lot of other ones cross my mind. I'm like, well, is that technically a doctor or a hospital movie? No. I mean, I could have gone with Dead Ringers because I know Pat loves that one. <laughs> Oh, I um. Well, let's back, back away because I, I, I have trouble narrowing some of these down. But and I and I'll be honest. What I do is I did a hospital one and a doctor one. Okay. Even though they would be obviously the same, but one focuses more on the doctor. One kind of focuses more on a hospital setting. So. Um, I'm gonna go with Master and Commander. I think that, uh, you know, the relationship between Captain Aubrey and I'm going to draw a complete blank. Steven, who's the doctor buddy in, in Master and Commander? Why am I drawing? Okay, now I'm embarrassed because I've read like four or five of the books. And um, yeah, so Master and Commander, you have Captain Aubrey and then you have his right hand man. Um, yeah, Steven. Steven, yeah, okay, yeah. good. I played, it right. uh, played by uh, Paul Bettany. Right, right. Um, and so in that, there's like, um, Steven is the doctor, basically, that like, you know, patches the crew back together, helps the crew out, you know, whenever there's a thing, and, and, and provides some great, there's usually a back and forth, and you see it in the movie, but it's further done in the books uh, to a great extent is he's the man of science and kind of the man of reason. And Captain Aubrey is a little bit more of the, um, you know, kind of firebrand and jump in head first kind of, uh, 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 you know, duty and, and all that kind of stuff. Almost as if you're looking in Star Trek and you had like, Dr. McCoy combined with Kirk and Spock. I mean, it was, and that might be a little bit much, but uh, yeah, I I would say master and commander because like, um, you know, his, his, his medical skills are always in high demand and um, high use throughout there, throughout that movie. And if I, if that is disqualified for some reason, then I'll try and think of another answer. The uh, I just before Dennis before you do yours I just thought of a, another couple movies that if I was going to go with like hospital you know not necessarily the the doctor character okay. um, I did think of the hospital scenes especially where they're fighting in Doctor Strange you know those mm-hmm. were kind of fun um, the other one and I know I feel like I've talked to some people before and they're like yeah that's not a good movie I don't care I enjoy it uh, there's the movie the Nicolas Cage movie uh, Nicolas Cage Meg Ryan City of Angels. That's oh. the it's the remake oh. of Wings of Desire, mm-hmm. and that one I don't know I just I like the scenes in that movie where you have where you can see the angels like yeah. waiting around yeah. for people or like they're waiting for someone that. to pass yeah. and yeah, it's like the first like uh, ten or fifteen minutes of that movie where they're showing yeah. that happening yeah 
Yeah. Like a little kid, I think in one. And then there's yeah, it's, he walks away, walks down the hallway with her, I think in his hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty good one, yeah. And that's why I said, if you're, you know, picking like little scenes that have a hospital or doctor in them and the whole movie's not, because then you could throw in, you know, if we're playing by those rules, we could throw in, um, the Joker in uh, in um, Dark Knight, that hospital scene. See, that's that's what scared me is that when I asked these questions to my kids, that's what both of them said. See, and I was like, why did you guys? Get, first of all, Nora, I don't think you've even seen that movie. How do you know what that is? And it, hers was, yeah, there's that one weird scene where like he goes in, and how does he not even know that that's the Joker just because he has a mask on? I mean, it's kind of obvious that that's the Joker. And I said, yeah, well, he's probably on a lot of medication and didn't notice it and then of course john was like no my favorite scene with the hospital is when the jokers push the button and it won't blow up and then finally it blows up <laughs> all right that's it. Okay. and then you can even go to halloween because the yep. doctor you know isn't that it's, you got that one um all right so what mine came down to was i went with a doctor movie and i went with uh, awakenings hmm. yeah Awakenings was one. And then the hospital one, the one that kind of came to my mind, even though yeah, there's just something creepy about this one that always kind of stuck with me in the hospital type of thing. It's not a beautiful, it's, um, it's Shutter Island. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Daisy Shutter Island with the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That whole, that whole thing was a uh, creepy. Now there is one I've seen a few times on that was kind of close in that same vibe of very strange, which was, I had to think of the name of it, but it was a uh, cure for wellness. Um, so I don't know if you've seen that one recently. It was a few years ago, but it was called The Cure for Wellness. A very strange one had the same sort of strange vibe to it. But those are the mm. two. I, I did throw out Patch Adams as a possibility, but it was just a little too, I don't know. I mean, it's a funny movie in many ways. It's not a bad movie, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if so I've got a... Doc Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I was going to go for Doc Hollywood. I've, or I've Flatliners. Got the- Mm. Yeah, I'm going to list 10 hospital movies, John. Pat, Pat, I can do 12. I bet you I can do 12 and a half. I, um, I, I don't want you to unplug the machine until I list 12 and a half hospital movies. <laughs> um, I think for a doctor movie, I've got that down. Hospital movies, I'm struggling. Like, I'm coming up with shows, but I'm not coming up with movies. So, other than, like, there's a scene here and a scene there, but, like... Not like where it's a main part of the, you know. I mean, I mean you could even like an, another one that kind of came to my mind. I just don't know if I think of it right away as a doctor movie, though. I guess it is because it, the Last King. That was the uh, Edie Amin. Remember the guy who um, mm-hmm. was a Scottish guy who played the doctor in that one. I'd have to look that one up. It's uh, what's his name? Um, James McAvoy. Mm. See, then I thought that's another one was. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a tough part. I was pulling a Jeff Mazuka on this one, I think. <laughs> Cause then there's the one with, uh, what you call it? Uh, there's the M night Shyamalan. Um, which the one? Sequel, the sequel to, uh, to split split. Yeah. 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 They're in the hospital there. I mean, that was another one that was, you know, so hospital movies kind of popped out, but they're all very strange hospital movies. It's not like a really yeah. nice, feel good hospital movie. The yeah. one that you said is actually one I had not thought of, which was the city of angels. No. Cause you went and like scenes, but I, and I guess mm-hmm. they don't center around the whole movie, but yeah. yeah. Jacob's ladder had the hospital scenes. Yeah. 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 
which is good. All right. Well, question number two. What's your favorite kind of cracker? Oh. Pat, do you, do you want to go first, or yeah, do you, you, had, you have like you had, you had wanted more for this? Yeah, you said you. Need I'm more. a I'm a cracker guy. I love crackers. You have like I fifteen love, or twenty. What was that? You have like fifteen or twenty. I got like fifteen or twenty. I love okay. I love crackers. You know, I mean, I love put them in soup. I love like making like you know plates of veggies and some crackers for dip. I I love crackers. The number one ones I like, and I know it's everyone's gonna be like, oh, you got to pick some like crazy exotic, all this kind of stuff. Wheat thins, wheat thins. Love the taste of wheat thins. My grandmother used to have wheat thins, and my family didn't. And so whenever I'd go over to my grandmother's house, I'd always get a little stack of wheat thins. And it was always like, where do you get these crackers? Like, I've never had these before. This is amazing. And uh, th- this was a while ago. This was like a couple of years ago. No, this was like back in the day, you know, when I was a little kid. And so that taste was always wheat thins. That was like, ooh, special crackers, you know? And um, so I'd say wheat thins are my like absolute favorite, but hey, I've never met a cracker. I don't like i mean i like all the ones that are all like got tons goldfish. Of yeah I'll, I'll munch on goldfish i mean it's not my favorite uh-huh. but but uh yeah there's times that i'll i'll uh, little kids you when everybody's got kids like our kids liked them um my wife liked them it was like oh and i i despise those things i couldn't yeah. stand them i could eat those i mean you know i mean it's goldfish a big, pot, a big carton yeah i mean i eat goldfish as much as like you know, saltines. I mean, you eat so many and then you're kind of like, I need some water. And, uh, I know you're, I, you know, I know it looks like you're like saying the saltine thing, you know, like, and, and, uh, like I said, Tris, I don't know how far we can bend the cracker thing, but Triscuits or like pita chips. Now that gets into chips or does that count as crackers? I like the real exotic crackers, like the ones that, you know, if I eat too many, you know, like used to be my mom and now my wife will be like, Hey, you know, those aren't like cheap. You got to calm down. I'm like, okay, so is it like eat three or four an hour? Like what? Like, um, I like, like all kinds of dip or all kinds of like, uh, spread that you can put on crackers. So I love me some crackers, man. All right. Question three, you covered all crackers. (laughs) There it is. is. Mine's fast. It's basically the, uh, the old, I, I can, sometimes going on an eating binge with, and I mean, not so much anymore, but I used to go on a uh, eating binge with the, uh, just regular saltines. Yeah. And then the other one was the Triscuits, which you mentioned the sea salt and black pepper, mm. sea salt oh. and black pepper Triscuits. Those are my two, two things. I've never really been a big, otherwise cracker fanatic, but those two ones are ones that I can, you know, grab a bag and just keep going with. Yeah. I'm going to say Triscuits have some like flavors that are like, like they've got an olive oil one. That's mm-hmm. like, Oh, and then they've got one that's like tahit. Um, I can't pronounce it. Tzatziki. Tzatziki. Yeah. Tzatziki. They got tzatziki ones, and it's just like, oh, very, very good. It's so good when it touches your lips. Um, There's cracked pepper and olive oil. That's an oh, the cracked pepper. The cracked pepper, sea salt and black pepper, or cracked pepper and olive oil was a good one. That was the one I liked too. Yeah, right, we we know how we know how Pat feels about triscuits now. <laughs> <laughs> okay there it is John, what are yours um you know i think i would have said triscuits would have been one of them but i think um, i think absolute favorite and i have not had these in a really long time are the uh white cheddar cheez-its 
Mm. Those are always good. I do there like, I do like some white cheddar cheeses. I'm not a Ritz fan either. People are like all big with Ritz and the cheese. Yeah. Ritz, I'm, yeah, you like Ritz? I didn't ask you. <laughs> Ritz are good. You know, yeah, what's, Ritz what's, are good. What's the, matter? what's the matter, Dennis? Did your kid spill juice on the piano? <laughs> yeah. No, usually he just goes by the closet and eats crackers by the closet. And then instead of taking them somewhere else, so at the bottom of the, you know, at the floor by the or there's just cracker crumbs all over the place. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, or he brings and, them in his bed. Then you have crackers in your bed. He's done yeah. that before. He I'll likes tell crackers. You, I, I, I tell you, man. He likes this, apparently. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you what's what's what hits the spot. And again, does this get into being chips? But there's Ritz and they're like super light crisps. They're like crisp, crisps, crackers. And they're like... Uh, Especially you get some of the flavors in there, man, those things, that's like, okay, I'm going to take, put it on a plate and then walk away as far away as I can from the kitchen. Cause I'll just inhale those things in one breath. <sighs> Done. I just ate yeah, five bags. Here of it has them labeled as chips. So that does not. Oh, okay. So that's a disqualifier. Okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> the other ones were labeled as crackers, but this one, the Ritz crisp, it says a creamy onion and sea salt are light chips. Okay. Not fried with a crispy, thin shape and irresistible crunch, especially to people named Pat. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I take it out. I put a few on the plate and then I walk away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I Can't bring the bag, man. You bring the bag. No, 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 no. You know what I found? That's you know, why what it I, is genius that they do have, at least in the, the saltines, they have four bags in there. Yeah. Because there's a stopper in there. It's like we talked about, you know, like, you know, social media doesn't have a stopping point, doesn't have a cue to stop where, you know, you get to the end of a chapter in a book, you can kind of say, hmm, do I want to continue on or not? I'll stop here and continue with the next chapter next time. With with crackers, those bags were the stopping cues. So you finish the bag and it's like, do I want to pop open another bag? Uh, but if they have it all in one bag, you're just doomed. See, you say that there's a stopping cue. Like, I feel like kind of like that guy in uh, X-Men that runs through walls. Okay. You have to make the conscious choice to open the next bag. What'd you say? You have to make the conscious choice to open the next bag. Yeah. See, that's not how it works. I have it's to make the conscious. Open. There's no, it's a never ending, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See what I find works is you take some like crackers, coffee. put them on the plate and then whatever the flavoring is, the crackers, like put some veggies next to it and in it, like chop up peppers or cucumbers and open them up. So the inside is there. And then you sprinkle that same flavoring on them. And then, then you're like, veggies will fill you up. So it's like, okay, good. I'm full. I'm going to leave that alone. Cause otherwise it's just like, Crunch, 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 crunch. I mean, I can even eat with one hand and open the bag with the other hand. Sometimes I don't even care. Sometimes I will eat through the bag and it's just like crunch, crunch, crunch. And then just keep going. Like you do that again, but slowly. I <laughs> No, that's my problem, man. I go too fast. I go through the bag. Crunch, 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 crunch. Is that what you're talking about? That was exactly what you were doing. I don't remember what I was doing. Question number three. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking about crackers and food. And I told you I'm doing intermittent fasting. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's tomorrow. So you should be able to start eating now. <laughs> no, I got like it many hours. You just have to, you'll just have to stop at noon. There you go. First time that once that zoom meeting ends at whatever time, it's going to be like bust open the crackers. 
And then I'll do whatever you were doing. <laughs> was that what I was doing? Words with one stone right there. No idea. <laughs> All right, question number three. Uh, <laughs> what, what is your favorite Harrison Ford dramatic role? Uh, so you try- first before you guys steal everything or no? Yeah, go first. John, you go first. John, you go first. You've been no, well, first. see, my problem is I the one I have, the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, nah, actually, it, it still, I think, is mostly an action movie. Um, my first thought, see, my first thought was Fugitive. I knew you were going to say, and that is, I, that's, that's an action movie, I would say, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it qualifies as an action movie, but then again, not exact. I mean, right. no, I would accept that. Okay. I, I looked at it, I went to go look it up on IMDb, and they in this order, they list it as action crime drama. Yeah. So, I, but that would be mine. If, if we weren't talking like sci-fi Indiana Jones, like that kind of adventure action kind of movie, I would probably, yeah, I'd probably have to go with um, Fugitive. All right. So, Pat, you want next or you want me to? What do you want? Go for it, man. Uh, paper, scissors? No, you go for it. You go. I just hope I'm not stealing yours. No, like I, I was asking, I, I, I was asking if Blake, I was going to ask if, well, you go ahead because you might be listening to this. You go ahead. All right, I'm ready? A, it's yeah. not simple. You guys are going to say witness. Okay. That's the, uh, oh, the Amish one, isn't it? What? That's the Amish one, isn't it? Yep, the Amish yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. Good, good call. Yeah, Dennis, I was texting John saying, hey, is Blade Runner 2049 technically a drama? As long as it's not the director's cut. What was that? More sci-fi. Sci-fi drama, wouldn't it be? Yeah, it's sci-fi drama. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's there's some there's some gunplay. Well, there was some gunplay in this movie. You know, there was some in Witness. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, yeah, Witness is a great one. Um, American Graffiti. I love him in American Graffiti. I know it's more of a bit part, but I just like, you know, he's just cruising around in his car on a Friday night looking to drag race the fastest people in town. So that's kind of like, I, I, I like Harrison Ford in that role. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good choice. Mosquito Coast, Coast was, I mean, there was a few that came up, but yeah. Yeah, if, if I couldn't do Fugitive, I was probably going to lean towards Mosquito Coast or one of those. Oh, you know what? There was that one where he crashed uh, the plane. He was the pilot, and he crashed the plane. What was that? That was 12, 10 days and 10 nights? Uh, or Six days, seven nights. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, with, uh, with what's-her-name? Yeah. And Hish. Yeah. That did there. I mean, there were some adventure type survival on a desert island elements to the movie, but I thought, you know, maybe that's more dramatic. Yeah. And then, uh, um, a, uh, a, cause you said, you said, you said drama in the question, correct? Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because if you would have thrown out, like, would you, if we threw a, I guess, a comedy category, mm-hmm. sort of slash drama, a uh, sleeper one that most of you guys probably didn't see, I would think, is um, the Frisco Kid. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one. Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have no idea who, you guys, have any idea who's in that one besides mm-hmm. him? Anything pairing to a certain degree, but. Nope. Mm-hmm. Gene Wilder. No. 
Oh, really? Gene Wilder and a very young Harrison Ford. That was a favorite movie of ours. It's pretty funny. The fr- the Frisco Kid. I, you gotta see if I wonder if that's on Netflix or anything. I have not. I looked that thing up before years ago, and I could not find it because I wanted to show that to my kids. And uh, it's called the Frisco Kid. It has uh, yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Yep. Prime Video, maybe. Wait, it's saying watch. Hold on, let me see. Uh, watch trailer. So you have to pay two ninety nine for it. Well, I might be gifting you guys two ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know if it's on the, uh, Netflix though. No? I don't know. I wonder if it's on the the Plex thing. But that is a no. sort of a sleeper one. You haven't heard it. It's a very he's a um, Gene Wilder's a Jewish um, a rabbi, I believe, from what I remember. And it's just there's a whole thing where he doesn't use guns, and Harrison Ford is kind of like your gunslinger guy, and they're like partnered up in a situation. There's a whole it's a uh, it's I, I I gotta see that one again. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I do remember that being a family favorite. When I say family favorite, not like a family movie necessarily, hundred percent, but we all liked it and watched it at least seen it at least two or three times as a kid. Huh. And it's not a movie that you're going to like find on TV all the time. So I was seeing it two or three times means we sought it out. My dad rented it and things like that. Yeah. Cool. No, but no I that, that, that would be another one that, I mean, I, I, I'd have to look back at his performance, but I'm just remembering that being a kind of cool, not traditional Harrison Ford movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode regarding Henry. Um, thank you, Dennis. And thank you, Pat. Yep, thank thank you. you, John. Thanks, John. Thanks for doing all the Fun other. time as always. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if anybody wants to find out more about our show, you can head over to 30podcast.com is our website. You can find all of our past episodes there, all 300 and yeah, whatever they are. Um, I, you know what I almost forgot to mention, guys? Last week. Here, let me. Uh, I'm going to kill the music for a second. Um, oh. Last week, I, I did not get a chance to mention this, so I'm going to mention it now. Um, it has been, well, February 9th of 2015. We all gathered together in a Mexican restaurant and tried to record our first episode. Oh, wow. So wow. It's, we've been yeah, doing this for six years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, tacos El Norte, wasn't it? It was, it was Tacos El Norte. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I s- <laughs> oh man that's awesome so, so you guys flowers so we've been doing this for a while <laughs> that's so cool well guys when this whole pandemic lifts and everything i say we go out for a celebratory dinner and then go record an episode in a soundproof air circulating socially <laughs> yeah. distant room that won't have plate noise not in a restaurant unless everyone is wearing their own like headset yeah, <laughs> we should go in like not with one like microphone this. in the middle of the table. Yeah, yeah. Oh my but, gosh. Yeah. Anyway, so that was uh, wow. yeah. So six years we've been doing this. Six years. It's a little crazy. Just a tad. A little crazy. All right. Well, at Thirty Podcast, if you're checking things out on social media, we're pretty much uh, anywhere that we're on social media. We are at Thirty Podcast. Uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, head over to our website. There is a spot there, a little voicemail button that you can click and record one for us. Or if you want to use the old-fashioned voicemail love line, it is 872-356-6843. Uh, coming up next, we've got uh, our next episode to finish off Family Month in February is The Adams Family. And we're going to have one of our Patreon co-executive producers, uh, Rob Perry, is going to join us on that one. 
So we're looking forward to talking with Rob. And then uh, coming up in the next couple months, March is our Girl Power Month. We've got Necessary Roughness, My Girl, Thelma and Louise, Fried Green Tomatoes, and Soap Dish. Our March Patreon episode is Favorite Songs of 1990 and 1991. And then April is California Dreams Month. That is Doc Hollywood, The Hard Way, L.A. Story, and Career Opportunities. And I do not believe at this point, let me look very, very fast. Uh, at this point, we do not have our Patreon episode for April um, determined yet. So we don't have that to, that topic just yet. Um, but we will announce that as soon as we've got that out. So that's what we got coming up. So again, thank you guys for being here with me. Thank you, John. All right, everyone. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time.